Welcome to the Habit Mechanic Podcast. To help you finish this year strongly and get ready for a successful 2024, we're re-releasing every podcast we've recorded so far that takes a deep dive into the Habit Mechanic book. The episode's coming up in a few moments. Remember, if you want to get your business off to a great start in January, get in touch to discuss how our Habit Mechanic keynotes or workshops can equip your people with practical skills that help them build super habits in five minutes. Or if you want to earn £100,000 per year working part-time by launching your own coaching business, we guarantee to help you do that in just 13 hours. Get in touch with us today to learn more about becoming a certified habit mechanic coach who can transform people's lives and is recognized as a world leader in the field. For more details, contact us via the website. The link is in the podcast notes. Or if you want to feel better and do better every day, download the Habit Mechanic University app from your app store. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Habit Mechanics. Dr. John Finn here. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Welcome to today's Habit Mechanic Talk, where we're going to take a deep dive into motivation. And we're going to talk about what it is and how you can do it and get more control over it more easily to make your life easier. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Andrew Whitelam. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, hi there, John. Yeah, uh, good to be with you again on this Habit Mechanic Talk and uh, really looking forward to uh, taking a deep dive into motivation. Um, I think um, as we have done on previous podcasts, we we can follow the Habit Mechanic book um, as a a guide and and hopefully people who've read that will also be able to use that as a reference point as well, Uh, although we, 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 I'm sure we're going to share some insights that will stand alone in this habit mechanic talk. Um, in terms of motivation, then, John, I think a good point at which to start is to ask, what is motivation? A definition. Please, please do explain more for us. Yeah, well, we think about it as direction and intensity of effort. So it's the direction you're putting your energies towards and with how much intensity. So this is why goals are so powerful for motivation, because they give you something very clear to put your energies into. We know that motivation, what we call personal motivation, is one of the nine factors that drive our behaviour. Often and mistakenly, I think largely from traditional black box thinking around why people do what they do, That's the thinking that doesn't actually take into consideration how brains work and the the neuroscience factors and behavioral science factors we now know that drive behavior. That outdated thinking attributes a lot of far too much um, power to motivation in terms of influencing behavior. It is important, but it's only one ninth of or one of the nine factors that explains why we do what we do. However, it is one of the factors. So we have to consider it and we have to, and it's really helpful if we can understand how to activate it and how to get it working for us instead of against us. You just dropped out slightly there, John. Sorry, I think there might be a a problem on the line. Um, If you could just repeat that final couple of sentences again for us. Yeah, so it is one of the nine factors, even though it it explains far less about human behaviour than many um, traditional coaches and uh, those that are using outdated black box uh, psychology models will have you believe. It still is one of the factors that we have to consider. So it's really helpful if we can understand what it is and understand how to get more control over it so we can get it working for us instead of against us. Okay, yeah, thank you for that, John. Yeah, um, as I say, it might just have been the connection at my end, but you talked about goal setting uh, and the, the importance of that um, within motivation when you consider it in the way you've, you've just described it. 
but you would also say, I know that there are more than one way to set a goal, an effective way and, and other ways which are not so effective. Talk to us about that, if you would, and how setting goals in the right way are, are pivotal to improving one's motivation. Yeah, well, first of all, many people will say, I don't set goals, which is a nonsense because, well, unless they don't understand what the go- what the word goal means. Because a goal is just setting out an intention, something that you want to achieve. So everybody, well, the vast majority of people want to get out of bed each morning. That is a goal. And they want to go to sleep in the evening. That is a goal by definition. So we're setting goals all the time. It's just that there's a very, there are some very um, unhelpful ways to set goals. And there are some very powerful ways to set goals on a continuum. So goals are far more powerful when they are very specific, when they are written down, um, when they detail where you're going to do something, when you're going to do something, why you want to do something. So goals are really powerful tools to make it easier for us to do the things that we want to do. It's just that setting them is a, is a skill and it's a science. So we're not born knowing how to set really powerful goals, but we can learn how to do it. And I think the other thing people, I often hear people say is, well, I don't set goals because I find it too stressful. If you want to increase the levels of stress in your life, don't intentionally set goals. If you want to manage stress, use goals as a a stress management tool. Because if you want to reduce, if you've got a goal that you've, you've mapped out and it's clear and it's specific and it hits all that criteria that we talked about, it's, um, it becomes a tool that you can use in your life to manage what you pay attention to. So, it means that you can, by making the goal easier to achieve, so instead of, I wanted to get the promotion by the end of this year, you could say, okay, well, that's not going to happen now. There's too much stuff going on. So I'm going to aim to get the promotion in the next 12 months, for example. We can also set flexible goals. So instead of saying, I want to get... um five A's or whatever we call them now at GCSE level, you could say, well, I want to get between uh, five A's and three A's. We can kind of set these flexible targets. Um, And if we want to increase pressure on ourselves, we could say, right, I want to get the promotion in the next three months. Um, Or I want to get uh, six A's. So they're flexible tools. They're not set in stone. And understanding that is really, really powerful. So goals are something we're all doing all of the time, even if we don't think we are. And maybe counterintuitively for some, they are fantastic stress management tools when you know how to how to properly use them. And And as you say, then goals provide that framework pivotal to our motivation um you talked about them needing to be specific um and then obviously gave that example of flexibility but what you're saying essentially is a flexible goal can be it is specific enough is if i if i'm expressing it in the right way if if a goal's not exact like when i need to achieve a 10 out of 10 in something or need to be able to achieve I don't know, um, a certain time in a race to use a sporting comparison. Um, As long as there's enough specificity in the goal, that's okay, is it? If you want to fulfil your potential or help other people fulfil their potential so you can feel great and get the rewards and respect you deserve, then I want to give you a free physical copy of my new best-selling book because you deserve to know the truth. 
the most important things for fulfilling your potential are not tips, tricks, hacks, therapy, coaching, meditation, breathwork, goal setting, journaling or finding your why. I know it sounds irrational because we're so used to hearing about using these things to help us fulfill our potential. But these approaches are outdated and ineffective and they are based on a big lie. To find out more and get your free physical copy of Dr. John Finn's best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, go to tougherminds.co.uk. Yes, there are a set of rules that we that we can put around it. So I wanna be I wanna I want to be a great striker. I wanna play really well is far more intangible than I wanna score this around this many goals in the tournament. Um and I might set myself a flexible a flexible target because scoring goals isn't just about what I do, for example. So yeah. Yeah, I think that's useful, uh, and that's a, that's a that's a useful bit of clarification there. That's great, and of course, we've just used two sporting metaphors, um, no pun intended, with goals. But um, yeah, um, it, more broadly, I know obviously, uh, perhaps in the area of people trying to improve their sleep, um, you will encourage people to set very detailed, specific goals rather than just get to bed earlier on time. Yes, and. Again, we don't typically think about setting goals and adding to our to-do list things like get a great night's sleep tonight. Um, but these are these are things that we should be adding to our lists of, of stuff that we want to do really well. I'm not just putting it as a list, but creating a plan around it. So I've taught, you know, I, I've I've created. Uh, degree level modules and performance psychology in multiple institutes i've taught i've read all the goal setting uh, literature that's out there i've taught it and i didn't find a model so we've got things like uh, smarter goal setting i didn't think that was particularly helpful or anywhere near as helpful as it could be um so one of the systems that we devised and it's really central to the habit mechanic approach is the swap system which is an acronym stands for self-watch aim and plan so if we're thinking about our sleep for example and we we it's on our to-do list to get more high quality sleep every night one of the things we could do is first of all we could ask ask ourselves the question well how good was my sleep last night out of 10 10 being the best it could be, one being the worst it could be. And that's a subjective, subjective assessment. But by doing that intelligent self-watching process, we're getting a better sense of where we're at. The next thing we would then do is say, well, where do I want to be? So if I got a seven last night, where do I want to be tonight? Okay, well, I want to get at least an eight tonight, an eight out of 10. So that's my aim. But in order to make that aim a reality, we need to create an intelligent plan. So we might say, well, in order to get an eight tonight, I need to be in bed reading my book um, by, or I might say, well, that that means I need to get at least uh, seven hours in, in bed tonight. So my plan to help me to achieve that would be be in bed reading my book by 10.30 tonight. Um, make sure that I write an end of day positive reflection to help me to process some stress out could be make sure I go for a a walk in the evening to help me to de-stress make sure I stop drinking caffeine um, at 4 p.m and I only have three caffeinated drinks today make sure I stay hydrated Uh, make sure that I turn off my tech if I want to be in bed asleep by um, 10 30 I'll be in bed reading the book by 10.30, make sure I turn off my tap by 9.30. So we can start to create a sophisticated plan to give us a better chance of achieving the goal. And what I'm actually talking you through there is one of the tools that we have uh, in the the app called the Diet, Exercise and Sleep Swap Plan. So we have a digital tool you can use to help you to do that exact intelligent goal-setting process. 
um, far more powerful than using the smart or smarter system. So yeah, in short, goals are really, really powerful, but there's a really unhelpful way to do them. And there's a really sophisticated and intelligent way to do them. And walking through that swap cycle is an, ex an example of intelligent goal setting where we're, if we're just following those steps, we are indirectly using behavioral science and neuroscience insights to give us a better chance of achieving what we want to achieve. Yeah, and I think some people will will be um, familiar with the, or certainly heard the term smart goals. I, I have, and um, it is something that they might come across in their personal professional lives. So to to have that insight from you and that analysis, I think will be incredibly useful for people. Um, Moving on then, John, um, I know um, in, in the Habit Mechanic book, you, you share numerous stories that are helpful uh, and uh, are illustrative of, of the, the science uh, and the insights that you have more broadly about how our brains work and, and how habits drive us. But in terms of motivation in the book, um, th there's some, some great stories, some sporting uh, and some about um, major public figures that everyone's heard of. Um, if we take a couple of them just to discuss, because I think that will be interesting for people. Um, first of all, the, the, I think you start the chapter on motivation with a, a reference to the golfer, Rory McIlroy, the, the, the Northern Irish golfer, Rory McIlroy. Um, he set a goal uh, at a, a very early age, didn't he? He did, yes. And there's a famous Nike advertisement that, Brought that brought that to life. Not just his 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 first goal, but uh, his um, sequence of of, of long term goals. And there's actual footage. So there is this ad, but there's actual real footage of him on camera saying what he wants to achieve. Yeah, and he said he wants to win all the major championships. Um, and it you know it demonstrates that. Yeah, you can have some genetic factors that make it easier for you to play a sport like golf. You could have some genetic factors that make it easier for you to learn playing a golf a sport like golf. But setting very clear goals about what you want to achieve is super, super powerful. And they activate something called a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, one story that's not in the book, um, it's another sporting story. I just watched this at the weekend. You, you see this all the time with, with high-performing people. I was watching um, the documentary, the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, because my brother said it was good and told me to check it out. And um, he's sitting in his hometown in, in Austria. And whatever you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, he has had an exceptional career. You know, he's had no right to do the things that he's done, moving from bodybuilding to elite Hollywood, elite actor into politics, and then into politics. Almost have these three separate careers, all at the top. And it was interesting that he, um, it was a personal, something personally resonated for me because unbeknown to, to me and probably many other people, his role model is a guy from Leeds in England where I where I live. And um he had this picture of this guy who was actually it was, it was Mr. Universe on his wall. And he knew something about the history of Leeds. It's sort of a working class uh, town. And he felt that mirrored where he came from. So if this guy could do it, I can do it. And he talked very, very um you know, almost microscopic detail about how he would visualize himself winning the Mr. Universe tournament, you know, laying on his bed. Um, so again, you, you see these stories, and there there are numerous ones uh, in the having the in the you know in the motivation chapter um, of the book, but also if you work with the motivation coach in the app, numerous examples. But that was just another one that that I saw um, at the weekend. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. I didn't know that um, Yorkshire had such a, a heritage in bodybuilding and uh, an inspirational one at that. But but there you go. And yeah, I think uh, if Arnold Schwarzenegger 
hadn't been born outside the US, many people would be touting him for a, a presidential candidate too. So you're absolutely right in, in what you say about his success in, in three different areas. Um, just going back to Rory McIlroy, John, um, obviously, um, and the parallel with what you've just described is clear too, he set those lofty ambitions and those lofty goals as a youngster. He's not achieved all of them yet. I think he's won some of the major titles. But but how will that play then with his ongoing levels of motivation? Um, because he hasn't achieved everything yet. How can he make that work for him, I suppose, as well? Yeah, I think it's a very idiosyncratic thing. What we can take away from goals is that they direct our attention onto something and they make it easier for us to put the efforts into working towards and achieving the thing that we want to achieve. Golf is a really interesting case today. Um, For those that don't know, there are four major championships in golf. These are the big flagship tournaments that everybody wants to win. It's where you make your name. If you win one of these tournaments, you become a multimillionaire overnight. And it's interesting that multiple professional golfers have won one major tournament and that pretty much signals the end of their career in, the, in any sense of high performance. So they'll still keep competing in the from the European tour and the US tour and the other tours that we have around the world now. So they'll still keep being a professional golfer and making a great living, but their, their peak, the other end of the continuum, their peak when they win in a one tournament the other end of the continuum is someone like Tiger Woods. Whatever you think of Tiger Woods, he is one of the most phenomenal athletes we've ever seen. And he's he very clearly stated that he wanted to beat, not, so not just like Roy McIlroy, who said he wanted to win every single major championship. Woods said, I want to win, I want to beat uh, Jack Nicholas's um, record. Jack Nicholas won. 18 major championships. Tiger Woods said, I want to win more than 18 major championships. Now, when he set that goal, people said, that's ridiculous, you know, because the world's changed since people like uh, Jack Nicholas was, was playing golf. But I think Woods now is up to 14 or 15 major championships, which is an unbelievable feat in the model, modern history of golf. There was a point where, a few years, where he just won every single one of them. Uh, and even in recent history, he came back and, and he won, I think, the US uh, Masters a, a few years ago against all the odds, you know, having his, after having his, his spine fused and all this kind of stuff. So my point here is that for some people, setting a goal of 18 major championships is a non-starter. For other people, they might set the goal knowing they're never going to achieve it, but it will drive them on to get 14 or 15 that they wouldn't have got otherwise if they hadn't have set the goal for getting 18. I know personally, I like to set goals that are really ambitious, knowing that I might not achieve them, but I'll, I'll achieve an awful lot more if they're, if, they're, if they're really lofty because I'll push myself harder. Um, whereas for some people, setting those types of goals is going to do more damage than good. So I think what we have to do is recognise the science. It's about attention. It's about getting our PFC onto something. It's about getting our brain and hue on board to say, come on, this is worthwhile. This is going to be really good. Um, That's the science, but you've got to know what you're like yourself in terms of if I set something that's too ambitious, it's going to turn me off because it'll really play on my mind if I don't achieve it and I'll worry and I'll beat myself up. Or I need to set something that's a bit easier to achieve just to give myself some forward momentum. Yeah, so I wonder if if we could say then, I don't know what you think about this, John, but as you say, um, just to dwell on the world of golf, and, and I don't think it matters if you follow the sport or not, the lessons are there for us all to see. Um, Tiger Woods, as you say, had a, 
a catastrophic injury, which yeah needed spinal surgery or something like that. Certainly put him out of the game, didn't it? And um, it was a it was a crippling blow to him, metaphorically and literally, perhaps when he had the injury. But yeah, he did come back and win. I think it was the US Masters, as you say. So I suppose that proves he had the motivation to come back and test himself in a in a very harsh environment that is the professional golf circuit. Yeah. So without that having set the goal out, he probably wouldn't have come back. He probably would have retired because it's better for his health. And that, you know, there is a fine line here. We we see um, there's a great example, and I talk about this athlete in the book quite a lot. John, a guy called Johnny Wilkinson, probably one of the best rugby players of all time. Very famous in the who's sort of talked about as the David Beckham of, of of rugby union. Very famous in the Clive Woodward era but also famous for being injured and overtraining and stretching himself too far in an era where he was at the forefront of a transition from an amateur sport into a professional sport. Um, but then at the end of his career, getting it right, where he went to France and he, he, he won multiple uh, major championships, etc. So there is, a, there is, a, there is a, a balance to be had and this is why the central piece on your journey to becoming a habit mechanic is developing your habit mechanic intelligence so that you learn more and more about yourself and more about what is achievable, what is helpful for you in terms of the sort of goals that you set, etc. Um, I was just speaking to someone on a call and they said, they were actually saying how the habit mechanic approach has changed their life. They're a, sen- they're a senior executive. They said, I've been into high performance all my life and I thought I knew a lot and I've read the book and I've put the ideas into practice and this person wants to go even, even further now and look at the, uh, he wants to become a coach. But just saying, I thought I knew a lot about myself, but putting the, reading the book and putting the tools into practice and, and using them to support my team, for example, is taking me to an entire another level. So we've got to understand ourselves and we do that via developing our habit mechanic intelligence. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. If you're stressed, if you're unmotivated, if you're struggling to be the manager or leader you want to be, if you're struggling to be the parent that you want to be, it's not coaching that's going to help you to do it better. It's not reading a book that's going to help you to do it better. It's changing your habits that will help you to do it better. And the only way to do that is to become a habit mechanic. And the only way to do that is to develop your habit mechanic intelligence. Yeah. Okay. Well, fascinating, John. And um, I know we've focused on the the sporting arena and just in the last five minutes or so and specifically golf, but uh, again, in the habit mechanic book, uh, I know um, you share another uh, fascinating story about personal motivation. Um, that's not, that's not related to sport and perhaps something that a uh, story that other people can relate to more readily, specifically about the highly successful world famous world renowned author, JK Rowling. Now, um, if you would just take a moment or so just to reprise the story for us, it didn't start like that for her, did it? No. So she gave a very um, famous Oprah Winfrey interview where she unpacked this journey to becoming Joanne Rowling to becoming a world famous author. And it wasn't a straight line. Uh, She'd been trying to do it for a long time, but she knew she wanted to be a a published author as a minimum, you know, with a big publishing uh, house. And she, she, she recalls getting the insight about um, Harry Potter. um, And she says something like, boy wizard boy goes to wizarding school and she got this insight she started to write you remember she was on a train when it happened she started to write the books but the books or the first book was rejected i think 14 times by major publishing houses so to put this into context harry potter is the biggest selling children's book of all time 
and it's one of the biggest grossing movie franchises of all time of periods in history it was the biggest of all time so she's sending this uh, book to publishing houses whose job it is to spot commercially successful products and it was turned down a number of times and she's famously you know she's she's shared some of these rejection letters that she got but because she had this big meaningful goal to become a, a published author she kept persisting rejection after rejection What's also interesting is um, J.K. Rowling actually more recently published under a pseudonym, and I can't remember what she's called, um, but she published some sort of detective novels. And again, they were um, rejected by multiple publishers. They wouldn't have rejected if she knew if if they knew who she was, but eventually she got the deal, and it, that, that they've been very very successful as well. So yeah, we've got to keep persisting, and if we want to be at our best, and setting intelligent goals makes it much easier to do that. Yeah, it's that it's that clear future vision that 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 can help you persist. You would say, and 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 keep you going day by day and hour by hour, even. It helps to get the limbic regions of the brain on side. Our brain is just interested in the next few seconds, maybe next 10 minutes at best. It's designed to save energy. It wants to do the easiest thing for the biggest reward. Um, but we can change that or we can intercede with that by creating um, or, yeah, creating intelligent goals um, via intelligent plans, etc. Yeah, well, that's a fascinating and, and, and vital insight about personal motivation that uh, I hope many people listening can take away with them. Um, and just to say, if you haven't read the Habit Mechanic book, there are more references in, in the motivation chapter to some some well-renowned people. Henry Ford, of course, who basically invented the motor car in the 20th century. I think we can say uh, Venus and Serena Williams, um, tennis greats and um the the entrepreneur Elon Musk, who of course one of brought one of the first electric cars to market successfully. So so some fascinating examples of of uh, long term goal setting connecting to success and motivation in the Habit Mechanic book, John. So yeah, I, I hope people can look at those. Now I'd like to move on because within the chapter, um, sorry, did you want to add something there? Yeah, sorry, Andrew. There's two things there. One is you can work with the motivation coach in the app as well. Yeah. Where you'll learn about the stories, but also you access the toolkit. But the other, so again, recently I watched a documentary about Richard Williams. This was a story I knew. That that's Venus and Serena's dad, isn't it? I think Venus and Serena's dad, but fully full length documentary using footage of him speaking, talking about. So he saw the money that professional tennis players were making, and he thought, "Wow, that's amazing." At this point, no, uh, Venus or Serena were not in the world. They weren't born. They weren't even being planned to be born. He compelled his wife to have more kids, more babies. And he talks about, this is him saying this verbatim, I hid the contraception pills. This was a, a grand master plan. And he took them step by step all the way through against the odds to become the best uh, tennis players we've ever seen, female tennis players we've ever seen. Um, it's an amazing story. That is all about planning and setting goals. Uh, it's phenomenal in terms of harnessing the science of what we can do when we put our mind to it. Um, so that's, uh, I think it's called Richard Williams, that documentary. It's really amazing. Yeah, worthwhile checking out. Um, and um, no doubt Venus and Serena needed... Uh very very strong levels of motivation to get to the top of the tennis world and also overcome plenty of other obstacles as well no doubt um as i say john in 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 the habit mechanic book you've got um um a really amazing tool um that that helps people with motivation um and it's um you, you explain how to apply it how to use it uh, in such practical terms i know a lot, a lot of people have ha got to grips with this and, and are applying it in their own lives and endeavors really successfully and it's called the fam 
story iceberg. Now, FAM stands for something which just connects to what we've been talking about, a clear vision for the future. Yeah, so it stands for future, ambitious, meaningful goals. And in the app, the FAM story is actually split into two different tools. It's split into long-term and monthly goals and also daily and weekly goals. But metaphorically, we're trying to help people to think about their long-term future in a way that they can connect it back to today. So the metaphor we developed over the years um, is called the FAM, sorry, is, the, is, a, is an iceberg visual. So this, this idea that, and I think that um, we're drawing a little bit on Anders, the late Anders Ericsson's great, Anders, Anders Ericsson, the guy behind 10,000 hours of deliberate practice research, uh, or really the groundbreaking research that showed, shows us how powerful practice is. It's not just um, about your genetics. It's a nature plus nurture. That's how we get good at things. But this idea of the he he would say the top of the iceberg is what you can is your is what you see um people's abilities what they can do right now, but beneath the waterline is all that practice and energy they've they've put into that. We've adapted that a little bit and said, well, the top of the iceberg, think of that as your future self, the things that you want to have in the distant future um and people often get a bit stuck about that well, I don't really know. But again, I've never met anybody that doesn't want to be healthy and happy in the distant future. That's a goal you can work towards. Um, so that might be the apex of, of the iceberg. I want to be healthy and happy in 10 years' time, for example. And then we say, well, in order to be healthy and happy in 10 years' time, what do you need to, what are you going to need to uh, have and be doing in the next one to four years? And to make that a reality, what does that mean? You're going to be, need to do in the next 12 months and to make that a reality what you're gonna have to do this month and to make that a reality what you're gonna have to do this week and to make that a reality what you're gonna have to pay attention to today and then we have other sophisticated intelligent goal setting tools like our daily tea plan like our three to one reflection like the desk what we talked about so the fam story really sets the scene for what we want our lives to look like. And then we can use our daily and weekly um, another and, and monthly habit analysis and habit building tools to make that a reality. Yeah. And is it, is it fair to say, John, that the, ice, the metaphor of the iceberg, which I think is so ingenious, um, the success bit, if you like, the bit that sticks up above the waterline is visible and clear to people, but it's nowhere near as large and as big as what's below the waterline. If an iceberg floats on water and that large body represents all the work, all the lead up to the great accomplishment. Yeah. So you could, if we want to take this to a more sophisticated, com complicated level, it's like you've got, I suppose, an evergreen iceberg. You're currently at the top of, of one, but we want you to look at the, the next one, the next one that you're going to go up. Because everything you can do today, everything you're good at, is built on practice. That's the helpful stuff and the unhelpful stuff. So if today you're really good at being distracted and stressed, that's because you practiced it a lot, which is a kind of a counterintuitive way to think about it. Equally, if you're a great communicator, you're a great salesperson, you're a great soccer player, you're a great golfer. That's because you practiced it a lot. Um, when you were born, you couldn't do that. You may have had some raw material to make it easier for you to do that, but it's the practice that's driven it. Um, and that's why we go into such detail in the habit mechanic approach to use learning science and also unpack learning science. And it's why our approach is different. It's not airy fairies this is how your brain works this is how your biology works and this is why you've got so much potential and you're not set in stone you can change and the first the first thing to do to make positive change in your life is to create that future story of where you want to go and what you want to be achieving
which is a malleable and flexible story. It's never set in stone. The fam story, like everything, is something that we would review and update periodically. Um, so the point isn't that we need to achieve it all. Oh, no, if I write it down, I'll have to achieve it. No, the point is that it's a rule. There's a rule about changing your behaviour is that if you if you commit to something, you've got a better chance of achieving it. And it's like our head of education, Andrew Foster, talks about, he, went, he read history at Cambridge University. And when he went to Cambridge, he wanted to be a journalist. And he went a long way down that road to being a journalist. But in his final year, he decided he's going to be a teacher. So he changed his fam story, if you like. But all the work he put into learning about being a journalist and practicing some of those skills were highly transferable into making him a great teacher. So fam stories are not about setting something in stone and never uh, wavering from it. It's a tool that we use to make it easier for us to be at our best today, tomorrow, this week, this month, etc. So that, that yeah, and 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 I think that's clear to see how the 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 benefits can flow from from striving, if you like, I suppose, John. Um, so so fam is future ambitious, meaningful. We use the metaphor of the iceberg to illustrate that success is the pinnacle, if you like, above the waterline with the effort below the waterline. Um, and now I know, of course, that's shown in a, a really accessible usable diagram in the habit mechanic book and and of course you you use that with people in in your training programs over the last decade john successfully but um just give people an overview if they would how would they start creating their own fam story fam story iceberg yeah well the easiest way to do it is to go to the app and start working with the motivation coach um but in very simple terms Well, in very, very, yeah, in very, very simple terms, we've got to think about what are the kind of things and do a bit of a brainstorm, the kind of things that we, we're going to want to have and do in, in the distant future. But to warm us up for that, we've, we created, uh, I did a lot of work experimenting with value systems uh, in professional sport, there was a movement towards value systems. What's the value of the team? And that seemed to then leak out into um, individuals. You need to know what your values are. You need to know what your values are. I found that. So I, I tried some of those ideas in, you know, in real time with real people, and I found it. Although they might nod and go, oh, that's interesting. It seemed to be really confusing for people. So in our approach, we actually created um a self-assessment tool which we which we frame as developing your fam story and it gets you thinking about instead of your values what's important for you what's important in your life and it really it gets you thinking about yourself in a different way so the first thing to do is to answer those questions so the, the first one is i could just give one example who inspires you be specific name names and then just you know just some ideas here in no particular order to help you to spark your thoughts. Parents, siblings, grandparents, other family members, colleagues, people who've changed society, scientists, Nobel Prize winners, entrepreneurs, mentors, writers, sporting champions, political leaders, high achievers, musicians. And in the app, you can just start selecting things, adding your own answers, and then go on to the next question is, why do they inspire you? So the first thing is to do is to warm up our thinking, to, to start understanding what is important for us and what's important in our lives. And then we can start to go into that detail of what's at the top of the iceberg, the distant future, maybe the, the next 10 years. What does that then mean we need to be thinking about and doing in the next one to four years? What does that entail for the next 12 months? What does that mean for this month, for this week, etc.? And then we come all the way back to today and we can use our habit metric tools to help us to analyse um, the habits that are being destructive 
for us right now to help us to start uncovering the super habits. You can then start to use tools like um, the willpower story, the daily tea plan, the desk swap, et cetera. So there's a whole sequence of tools that we've got, all really intelligent goal setting tools that make it easier for us to do the things today that are going to make it easier for us to be where we want to be in the long, medium and short term. Yeah, and um, I think it's worth stress uh, re-emphasizing. I nearly gave the game away. What I'm going to ask you about next is um, you said earlier in the in the talk about this goal setting, ambitious long-term goal setting is actually a stress management tool for us as well as a motivational tool. And and the the, the fam story iceberg is actually a means of of managing your stress effectively because you can reflect on your progress towards a long-term accomplishment and you'll you'll see you are taking steps towards achieving it. Yeah, absolutely. And the my understanding, this isn't, I don't see it, I've never heard anyone else say this. Um my understanding is that the most important thing for hum- for human beings, for Homo sapiens, is to get control over how they feel and about what other people think about them. That is what every system in our body is, is designed to do. And this is where I think Sapien is a great book, for example, but I think it misunderstands what humans are designed to do. Humans are designed to control their environments. We haven't deliberately gone out and destroyed other species or our environment. That has happened, but it's because we've got this innate driver to control things. This is why social media is having the effect on the world that it's having, and it's largely negative, is because it gives us the ability to get a quick dopamine hit, which makes us feel better about ourselves, but also it gives us the ability to possibly increase our social status in the eyes of others by creating a great post or by suggesting that our life is that these great things are happening in our lives all the time when you know when maybe they're not what's this got to do with the fam story the fam story and our intelligent goal setting tools make it easier for you to get more control over your lives and one of the central pillars of that and again uh I forget her name. Um, She wrote a book called The Progress Principle, The Harvard Professor. Um, So it talks about progress is the the most important thing um, in our lives. I would argue it's not. I'd argue that progress is just an indication that we're getting more control. The most important thing in our lives is that we are, um, we feel like we're in control of, of how we feel and what other people think about us. Progress is a signal that that is happening, is that we are making uh, progress in our lives towards our, our goals. We know that one of the, the, the key signals of, um, and, and if you're feeling anxious now, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling stress levels high, I guarantee you that nothing you feel like you're doing in your life pays off. You feel like all these things you're doing they don't work, they don't pay off, they don't move you forwards, they don't give you more control over your life. When you do things and they make you feel like you're moving forward, you're, you're, you're getting some progress, things pay off, you feel much better about yourself because you feel like you're in control. So yeah, all those things are absolutely interconnected and I hope that's a, a more nuanced understanding of why goals help us to manage stress uh, than maybe we'd see in some of the black box um, insights out there. They don't get to the heart of the matter. Our brain is designed to automate things that give us more control. And so why why does our brain automate beating ourselves up? Because it's making you aware that you're, you're not doing as well as you want to do and you need to do something else to get more control. But in the world we live in, those habits become out of control because we are just being bombarded all the time with unhelpful things people might have a few few follow-up questions on that but hopefully it makes some sense yeah absolutely john and i think that um 
people should uh, refer to the habit mechanic book and and when they see the fam story iceberg they'll see the the applicability of, of the visual metaphor and also um the way in which you connect everything you've said about setting goals and 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 personalizing your journey towards achieving great things if you like they'll, they'll see the relevance the applicability and the usefulness of it in their lives um I think now if we can move on, I know, as uh, as I said at the start of this Habit Mechanic talk, we're going to follow in, in some ways the structure of the, the chapter on motivation in the Habit Mechanic book. And um, at the end of the chapter, um, you, you provide another really uh, amazingly useful uh, guide for us to 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 inform people's understanding of motivation help them with their motivation um under the heading firing up your motivation which is uh, very appropriate i think um and and you say that obviously people may well have created a, a future ambitious meaningful story a fam story they've got an outline of their future they've got a a long-term goal that's ambitious um and um you you say to help them refine this more and develop it more as you go forward you've, you've got um a list uh, of, of reminders they can they can use and i'd just like to go through them with you here now on the talk point by point and and um you can flesh those out for us hopefully uh, the first one is make goals more meaningful by asking yourself why five times now i know that is quite a, a longer exercise but but briefly what is that and how does that work yeah, well, if you had a title of a podcast, for example, that says seven ways to fire up your motivation, um, that might be more meaningful than a podcast that says what is motivation. But it's trying to move towards um, the real reason why you want to do something. So the more mean so with that jk rowling example is great if we go back to that because she had this really meaningful uh and the tiger woods example and the Hannah schwarzenegger example and the richard williams example they all had something deeply meaningful why they wanted to achieve the, the goals they wanted to achieve and a really quick way to get to the true meaning of something is just to ask yourself why five times so for example you might say, well, I want to be more productive. To, I need to be more productive than I need. I need to procrastinate less. I need to beat myself up less. Why? Well, I want to be, um, I want to have the best chance of doing a great job. Why? Well, I want to get the promotion this in the next six months. Why? Well, we want to buy a different, a, a different house in a different part of town. Why? Because that's where the best schools are. Why is that important? I want to give my kids the best chance of going to the best school. So you can go further. Why is that important? Well, I don't want to look back in 10 years and regret not giving them the best chance. So all of a sudden, being efficient and effective with my time today is about being a great parent and not having any regrets in 10 years. That's much more um, powerful in terms of compelling the limbic regions of our brain to get on board um, and to get with today's program and not just to slope off and check social media or the BBC website or whatever, or do just do the easy work and not difficult work than just being, just being productive for the sake of being productive. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's very clear and uh, very poignant for many people. I'm sure. Um, the, the second point on the list, um, and I know this is uh, also um, a specific exercise within Habit Mechanic University and, and one you detail in the book too, uh, is the second point is on a scale of one to 10, how well are you doing your best to be your best and achieve your weekly goals? And we talked about weekly goals being a component of long-term goals. And, and that's why that question's there in essence, I guess. Yes. It's going back to that intelligent self-watching, holding ourselves accountable for our own efforts. This is all we've got. All we've got is our energy and putting our best, um, foot forwards and a really simple way to do that is just to assess yourself on the scale um i really over the past you know 20 plus years i've been doing this work for me that out of 10 is, is as powerful as anything in terms of a self-reflection where am i it doesn't matter if i'm a bit um delusional 
in either direction. I could be overly negative about my performance. I could, could be over, overly positive. We will get more accurate the more we engage in these types of intelligent self-watching activities. But it's easy to let things slide. Doing intelligent self-watching for some things is really easy, like our weight. We just step on a weighing scale, and it tells us there, in, depending on what type of weighing scale you've got, but you get a clear visual. For our progress on other things, it's a bit harder to measure, so we've got to make it easier. So, yeah, we start every day with the T plan, how well did I do my best to be at my best and achieve my goals? We can use the same thinking at the end of the week. It takes a few a few seconds and it saves us hours. Yeah, fantastic. Um, point three on the list, remind yourself it's possible to make changes and I suppose by implication improve because you're a combination of nature plus nurture no one's no one's born to fail or born to succeed yeah it's interesting um i was speaking to a very well-intended coach the other day a traditional coach who's done the sort of traditional coach training for me their job is to help people to do to, to do better that's what they say their job is as well so they, their job is to change their behavior and they were quite dismissive about learning science and uh, it's a bit too sciencey. Why do we need to know that? Well, because your job is to help people to learn how to automate different behaviours. It's not to coach people, it's to change their habits. And if you're going to help someone to change their habits, you need to understand how learning happens. So this, is, this really worries me. You know, I see this time and time again. Um, Coaching isn't having a nice conversation with someone who then says, well, you're a nice person and it's good to work with you, et cetera. It's about helping people to change their behavior. The way that we are traditionally, or coaches are taught to do that, is that they're not taught to change people's behavior. They're taught to have a nice conversation with people. So this is why recognizing that um, making a change is a combination of nature plus nurture because we might feel like we can't, we've tried and we can't do it and we can't do it. But the science is clear. You can make change. You are absolutely capable of doing it. It's just that if you're not able to do it right now, you haven't found the right formula yet. Um, so just knowing that, and this is what Carol Dweck talks about as a growth mindset, that's a, that's a motivational theory, is that if you believe you can change, you've got a much better chance of doing it. Um, we talk about the habit mechanic mindset, which is kind of a step beyond that. It's about if you understand how your brain works and how you learn, um, you've got a much better chance of being able to do it. So just reminding yourself that it is possible to change because you're not set in stone. It's a, it's a combination of nature plus nurture. That is a new understanding. You know, we didn't used to understand that. For most people that are listening, when they were at school, they were taught that when they physically stopped growing, their ability to change in any meaningful way stopped. They were also taught that they were just naturally good at some things, but not other things. Um, in Chapter 5 of The Habit Mechanic, I really go deep in talking about learning how it happens, nature plus nurture, give some really clear, tangible examples, break down the 10 intelligence factors, um, the, the factors that allow us to learn or not. So we can learn, and it's just important to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, I think of all the... All the um all the content in, in this chapter in, in the Habit Mechanic book, I have to say that the the fact that science highlights human ability to learn and change that, that I find that one of the most motivational things. That's just a, a personal insight. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so vital and so valuable. Um, the next one on the list, number four, update your fam story. And you say every four to eight weeks here. Now we'll presume that people are, have set a future ambitious, meaningful story and they need to update it at those regular intervals. Yeah, so the, if you go actually into chapter 36 of the book, 
it gives an overview of all the tools that we introduce and it breaks them into daily, weekly, monthly, slash bi-monthly, slash quarterly tools. So in the first instance, I would definitely be updating the FAM, the, the FAMS form or in the app, the, your long-term and monthly goals every four weeks. And then maybe you might want to move to every eight weeks. And then possibly you could go to every, every quarter if you wanted to. But I mean, I, I just, uh, back at the start of the month, I just spent 10 minutes reviewing. Straight, you know, 10 minutes moved my motivation levels from maybe four up to a nine, just in 10 minutes. It's so, so powerful. And things things change. The the fam story it's, it's not a it's not stone. It's malleable. You can re-sculpt, remold. Things change in your life, and it's important to update and remind yourself. Um, and also by revisiting the fam story, you see the progress you've made, which our brain doesn't pay all that much attention to. It tells us about the progress we haven't made. So by revisiting the fam story, we get to notice the progress that we've made. Um, but that's why we have daily, weekly, monthly tools, because if you do a focus reflection at the end of the day, um, like a three-to-one type of activity is a minimal, again, which you can do in the app, you also notice the progress you're making. So it's important to plug all these tools together. Yeah, and the next one, John, number five, um, related to this, I think, it, you ask people, can they connect their short-term goals and habits, i.e. today in the present, to their future goals? Yeah, so it's just reconnecting if we're feeling like our motivation is a bit low, reconnecting why or what you need to do today to achieve what you want to achieve in the future, those, those big exciting things. Um, otherwise, Hugh just comes and dominates our horrible and helpful emotions. And again, you can, in the next habit mechanic talk that we do, we'll talk about habits in more detail and some of our habit metric tools, but you could use those, those metric tools just to quickly realign the short with the medium with the long, just to realign them. And again, we're spending minutes to save hours by, by doing that. Yeah, again, uh, personally for me, when you when you're working towards a long term accomplishment and and um, thinking about it, using it in the present to to keep you well going, essentially in common parlance. Again, I found that very very useful for motivation. So um, that, that again, that's just another personal insight from myself. Um, two more on the list. Then uh, the firing up your motivation list. Number six is to write a fail story, what you call a fail story. Um, in other words, what you don't want your future to look like. So we've written a future ambitious, meaningful story. We've set a, a grand target and now it's important to write, write out what we don't want to happen. Yeah. Or we can flip that round. The reason we created, I think the fail story was because people say, well, I don't really know what I want to achieve. So what don't you want to achieve? And often people are much clearer about that. Well, that's the starting point then. This is what I don't want to achieve. So what does it mean you want to achieve? It's not that you don't know what you want to have in the future and do. It's just that you haven't really thought about it too much. And he says, yeah, I can't be bothered doing that. What it is interested in is saying, what don't you want to have? That's much more interesting for you because that's a threat and it's a problem and it's a worry. So we can use that as a foundation, if you like, uh, to, to start build the what we do want to have. So writing a fail story is really powerful. I've never met anyone who doesn't know what they don't want their future to look like. I don't want to be unhealthy. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen. Um, yes, yeah, so it's a really, really powerful exercise. Again, you can do that really quickly. Um, and you're spending minutes to save hours. Yeah, and I know as we move to the final point on the list, which is about the fail story to reflect on your fail story and use it as a mirror to help you develop and refine your fam story. I think you've just explained that really nicely for us. So thanks for that, John. But I know previously you've worked in education and and, and as you say, Andrew Foster, your colleague, continues to do so. And I think a useful example that, that I have, I've heard you cite before is young people 
perhaps, and, and you, you mentioned it in Andrew's case, but it's it's worth stressing how young people at the very start of their lives are doing it. I think young people have, have said, well, I might want to be a dentist or something that requires a specific academic direction. And then they've changed, but still they've benefited by applying themselves to academic study to rigor learning how to to study things successfully so they've pivoted if you like um away from what was a very def- definite goal but but the the journey the, the work they did towards that has benefited them yeah because every every hour we invest in ourselves we get back it's not a lost hour we never lose an hour is a saying you don't lose an hour the hour you put into yourself you get back in some way so if I invested that into my physics GCSE because I thought I wanted to um, go to you know, do a medical degree, then even if I decide I don't want to do a medical degree, I'm still going to benefit from the from putting the effort into the physics, even if it's not the physics knowledge, just me learning how to put my best foot forward and you know create great great habits around study. That's going to be beneficial. So yeah. Um, this is all about developing your habit mechanic in- intelligence and whichever field oh, if you want to be healthy and happy in, in, the, in the distant future there is a lot of commonality there's far more commonality between the people that are healthy and happy than you know differences they've all got a set of helpful habits around um how how they eat, how they exercise, how they sleep, how they're able to strike a balance between hedonistic experiences and eudaimonic experiences, you know, how they're able to delay short-term gratification and persist through difficulties um, and, and reframe and, and all this kind of stuff, all the stuff you learn when you become a habit mechanic. Yeah, well, well, thanks very much for your time today, John. Um, I think we've discussed motivation in great detail, talked about what it is. Um, you've shared those fascinating case studies in sport and uh, in celebrity world as well, if we could call it that. Um, thanks also for explaining the detail of the, the FAM Story Iceberg tool and, and the related areas. And then finally, the the, the, the seven-point list for firing up your motivation. I think that's been uh, especially useful. So thanks for your time on, on this Habit Mechanic talk. Um, we have another one coming up in a fortnight, of course. Anything you'd like to say in closing? Yeah, just thanks for listening. And remember, all of the all this stuff is at your fingertips. Go to the app, work with the motivation coach, revisit Um tell someone else about it, talk someone else through what you're doing because that's beneficial for you as well as them. Life, I think at the moment, is more challenging than ever, but we have a lot more control than we give ourselves credit for. The the fam story is a great starting point for your journey to becoming a habit mechanic not something you use once it's an evergreen resource which is why the tool in the app is so powerful because it's digital it's digitizing you just keep topping it up and refining and tweaking so do use it it's not about knowing it it's about putting it into practice um just doing this periodically could be the could be the you know the the one habit that changes your life that's why we say you're only ever one habit aware thanks for listening remember if you want to get your business off to a great start in january get in touch to discuss how our habit mechanic keynotes or workshops can equip your people with practical skills that help them build super habits in five minutes or if you want to earn a hundred thousand a year working part-time by launching your own coaching business we guarantee to help you do that in just 13 hours Get in touch with us today to learn more about becoming a certified habit mechanic coach who can transform people's lives and is recognised as a world leader in the field. For more details, contact us via the website. The link is in the podcast notes. Or if you want to feel better and do better every day, download the Habit Mechanic University app from your app store. Thanks again for listening.